From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest LPL Market Signals. Jeff Bookbinder here with my friend and colleague, Quincy Crosby. I'm going to try to put on a good show for you here today, but it's going to be tough because, Quincy, you haven't had your first cup of coffee yet, and I haven't had <laughs> breakfast. It is Monday, July 31st, 2023, as we're recording this uh, late morning. Uh, we're still going to try to bring the energy, though. You think we can do it, Quincy? We've got to. We got no choice. This is no the, choice. This pretty much live. Pretty much live. We we got no yeah. choice. So we're gonna uh, have a good show for you today. I I know you'll agree. Uh, here's our agenda. We got a lot to talk about. It's much more fun to do this when the markets uh, keep going higher. So um, first, we'll recap uh, the market activity from last week. It was just a massive week. I mean, I'm still. I mean, one of the reasons I haven't had time for breakfast yet. And it's uh, almost lunchtime here in Boston is because digesting last week uh, was exhausting, right? Three central bank meetings, key economic data, GDP, uh, PCE, 166, I think, S&P 500 companies reported earnings, just dizzying amount of information and and stocks went up. So all in all, uh, clearly the market liked it. Uh, We'll talk about... um, the uh, weekly market commentary for this week, which you can get on LPL.com. It's a second half economic outlook from Dr. Jeffrey Roach, our chief economist. Uh, Next, we'll review earnings season. We're a little past the halfway point and it's been good. So I know Quincy, you have some thoughts on what we've seen thus far. Uh, And then last, we'll preview the week ahead as we always do. uh, And the ISM and the jobs report uh, are coming this week in addition to a lot more earnings. So you could argue that this is just as big a week as last week because we have about 170 S&P 500 companies reporting in addition to these very important economic data points. So let's get to it. Um, On the market recap, I want to pull out this one theme that we've been hearing from our chief technical strategist, Adam Turnquist, and that is we're no longer just seeing mega caps uh, go higher. We are starting to see a broadening out uh, of this market. I know Quincy, something you and I have talked a lot about. So. you know, you can see this from this page, this market uh, performance recap. Last week, it wasn't just tech, right? I mean, certainly mega cap tech did well, but we saw some gains in energy, right? Almost 2% higher last week. We saw some nice games in materials, also about 2% uh, higher. And then actually an area you uh, pay close attention to, Quincy, we saw some solid gains in emerging markets, right? Up about 3%. Yeah in dollar terms. So um, I think the, uh, you know, this is good news for investors. There's more than just eight stocks to buy. Uh, it, it More stuff's working than that. Well, no, absolutely. I mean, the first sign that we had that we were beginning to broaden out was the Russell 2000, which, you know, kind of shocked people. How could this be? Because it's so populated by those horrible banks, the small and mid cap banks, but that gained momentum. And you started to see some, actually, some buy recommendations for some of those banks. And you started to see those regional banks merging uh, or or unwinding some of the um, commercial real estate loans, unwinding them even at a discount, but, you know, fixing their balance sheet. So the Russell 2000 was that first part of that broadening out. And then the laggards, that's what they wanted to call them, the laggards started to pick up. And some, and when the financials, big big uh, money center banks started to report with positive 
outlook, positive uh, revenue growth, the market started to uh, uh, um, applaud that commentary from the banks and the banks started to pick up. And, and again, the Russell 2000 with the small and mid cap industrials, as you always point out, sneaky industrials gaining. Uh, it's been it's been a very attractive backdrop for for the market because this is what you want. You don't want the generals leading. It doesn't matter if it's megatech. It could be any group that leads because if they start to weaken and, and start to pull back, You've got nothing left underneath that. And so this is, is indeed a healthy market. And I want to add that of the names that, that the, uh, came out over the last, um, last week, uh, about 78% of them beat estimates. And according to you know, one of the data, um, the da the data uh, reports that we look at, that since 1994, it's usually about 68%. Or 64% will be. So this this was a, a, a strong week. And, and and Jeff, I want to ask you this and see if you agree with me. This market has been discerning. It isn't as if this market, you know, said gave an A to every single company that came out. We saw Honeywell, we saw uh, Texas Instruments, Microsoft, Netflix, even Tesla getting a slap and saying, hey, wait a minute, you, you didn't deliver. So I guess when, you know, the valuations are as rich as they are, the market is expecting, you know, a triple play, you know, guidance, bottom line, uh, and uh, top line revenue growth. Oh, I definitely agree with that. Um, you know, one other theme we've seen, and we'll, we'll show you some earnings slides in a little bit, but uh, mm -hmm. you know, the reaction to the beats has not been as positive as it has historically. And that's a at least a small sign that maybe this market needs to take a breather. I mean, we believe that for other reasons, but uh, the the reaction just beating, and even if you raise a little bit, uh, you're not seeing these big surges in share prices. I mean, you saw it out of Alphabet last week. Um, yeah. You know, you saw it out of uh, Meta last week. But by and large, when you look at the whole S and P 500, you're not seeing those surges, uh, and you are seeing a little bit more uh, of a discerning market. That's fair. Um, let's. Let's keep going here. Bond market. I mean, one of the big stories last week, we mentioned central banks, right? The Fed is most likely done, but we may get one more hike. Um, but I think the BOJ was maybe even a little bit more interesting uh, last week, Quincy. I know you have thoughts on this. So that's why the yields went up so much last week. We actually moved above 4% on the 10-year yield before pulling back below it in response to the tweak in BOJ monetary policy that, I mean, was a surprise to some. You know, Quincy, you you speculated that something might be coming, you know, early last week, and then on, I think it was Thursday, uh, overnight, you saw reports that you know the BOJ was going to maybe tweak its asset purchase program. What what should investors take away from that news? Well, they should take away that Bank of Japan is getting ready to normalize uh, normalize uh, monetary policy. They have the inflation. They, I know they want to make sure that it is intact. Remember, they went through decades of deflation. Uh, but the fact of the matter is they are on, on a trajectory where they are going to get rid of or dismantle, I should say, dismantle this anachronistic uh, policy tool. They don't need it anymore. And it, it's keeping them in, in a place where it's uncomfortable. They know it. And the other point is, and I don't want to look too far ahead, but 
there, there is chatter that they've got to raise rates if, infl if inflation stays where it is, which is above 2% now. It's just about over 3%. Uh, they went up to 4%. It pulled back to about 3%. And, and for you know the central banks, 2% is price stability. So they are in a position that they I don't think they ever thought they were ever going to be in because that deflationary mindset had set in so dramatically and so entrenched that I think they find themselves, hey, is this possible? Because that's what happens. And you get so used to where you are that you don't realize where you're headed. And where they're headed is to be the last of the big central banks to uh, to start thinking about scaling uh, scaling back. And so that's where we are. The yen is weak today. The, the bond buying program has picked up. And uh, they, they know that they have more to do. The question I have, Jeff, is, and I think the market does, is how do they how do they go to that next step? And I wonder if they'll do it in between meetings because they want to be, you know, away from the, the traders who have feasted on every move that they have made. And they they, they put out crumbs to, to, to put them off the scent. So I wonder if they'll come in in between meetings. I also want to point out, too, that when Chairman Powell on the 26th was speaking, he knew what was coming. You notice how calm he was? Do you notice he did nothing to jar the markets in one direction or another? It was probably deliberate because they understood that if they did that, it would make it more difficult, or in other words, jarring the global markets with you know raising rates or one way or another. Uh, they, he was quite calm and he was centered and almost neutral. I think he understood that he had to have the backdrop for them to engineer this that evening, uh, late that evening. Yeah, certainly that was the biggest reason why U.S. yields moved higher, but I think it's a it's a positive that markets in Japan were stable, uh, yeah. and then it's positive that you know U.S. bond yields have moved back down a little bit uh, since then. So that's where you saw some losses last week in core bonds, which you're seeing in this uh, table here. You've got the Barclays or the Bloomberg, uh, formerly Barclays, Bloomberg Ag bond index down about 40 basis points. But it's, we still like bonds a lot here, and 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 they've still had a uh, a decent year certainly. And then on the commodity side, energy has been interesting. The um, you know the jump in crude oil maybe it's partly reflecting China's stimulus that you know more of it's to come uh, you know and certainly um, the economic environment's getting a little bit better in the U.S. of course we'll talk about that in a bit so saw a little bit of a jump in energy prices last week and then a little bit of a jump in the energy sector last week as well as I as I mentioned um, I want to you know kind of pull out this theme again of of broadening out. We actually talked about it last week uh, on the last Market Signals podcast with Adam Turnquist. We're looking at the equal weight S&P 500 versus the market cap weighted S&P 500. And if the equal weight is doing better, that suggests market breadth. And so the bottom panel here shows you that the equal weight S&P has started to do better. It's actually done better over the last couple months, not dramatically better, uh, but better than the market cap version, which is the one that's that we all talk about every week. And then you know, cited in the financial press. Uh, and then if you look at the absolute chart, you know, I'm not a technician like Adam, but looks like a pretty good, pretty good chart to me. I mean, it's running up against resistance, but uh, we're certainly, um, you, you know, creating this series of higher highs 
and higher lows on the equal weight index it suggests maybe uh, that metric can continue to go higher. And then the same concept here, which is the advanced decline line, it's breaking out to all-time highs. The advanced decline lines on the bottom panel, the top panel is the S&P 500. Um, so we have a breakout above these recent resistance levels of 4,200 that we were talking about a lot a couple months back. Now we're making a run at 4,600. But the bottom panel is the one I want to focus on here. The AD line is confirming that this is a broad market rally. So really important point. Again, we want to move away from this narrative of just eight stocks driving the market higher. Good development here, and that can help drive the next leg of this bull market. <coughs> so let's go to the economic outlook, Quincy. This is where I want to bring you in. Uh, so uh, Jeff Roach did the weekly market commentary this week on LPL.com, which is a second half economic outlook. The, the obvious conclusion from, I think, all of this economic data we've seen recently and the market's response to it is that this market is pricing in higher odds of a soft landing. Now, maybe it's not our base case yet uh, for LPL research, but it's certainly moving in that direction. Uh, so first point, and I'll send this to you, Quincy, is good spending versus services spending. You know, the question is, is services spending kind of running out of gas here? Or can we continue to see that pent up demand for services uh, drive economic growth in the second half? Well, you are seeing a, a potential slowdown in air travel. That, that's already started to uh, seep into the headlines. However, and I, I do want to add one other thing. There was a little bit of a concern regarding back-to-school sales because that's a harbinger, as you know, for holiday spending. And holidays actually include, I'm just putting it out there, is Halloween because Americans seem to be absorbed in, in the Halloween theme and spending quite a bit of money. But again, we don't know what the final numbers are going to be on the back-to-school sales. So that was a concern. And there's also a concern, at least initially, that Americans with lower uh, credit scores were being denied loans and that some small business owners with you know, lower uh, credit ratings were being denied loans uh, under 70. But much of that data actually is from almost a, a, an immediate re reaction to the bank crisis. So we're going to get another read on this and see where uh, where we're headed with the with uh, with loans. Because if that were to continue and intensify, that would obviously be a, a, a negative for consumer spending. But the other thing I was going to say is, you know, the Atlanta Fed now, the GDP now was right on target for 2.4% GDP for the second quarter. Now, for the third quarter, I'm obviously this is fluid, but right now they're looking at 3.5% for GDP for the third quarter. I mean, that's going to that's going to uh, evolve, but that's a good spot to evolve from. Oh, sure. Yeah, that we may get, you know, 1% or lower in the third quarter uh, when when all this is said and done. Um, you mentioned consumer headwinds. I mean, certainly credit card borrowing rates. North of 20% is a little bit of a headwind. Uh, and we're going to see in the week ahead, you know, the consensus for job gains is only about 200,000. We're going to potentially get a one handle there. So clearly job growth is slowing. Uh, inflation is coming down, which is good, but wages aren't rising as strongly. 4.4%. Uh, as, as they have been. Well, right. So, you know, still healthy, 
but not as strong. So, uh, you know, maybe we'll grow in the second half, but it's it's not going to be another two, two and a half percent like we got in the first half. I think that's I think that's probably what we can all agree on. Uh, turned to, we did get good news on inflation and GDP last week, though. You know, the core PCE deflator, the Fed's preferred inflation measure, uh, year over year was 4.1 down from 4.6. We could be at the low threes by the end of the year, potentially, or low to mid threes, uh, potentially. And you see there's a lot of green on this inflation heat map. You know, time goes from left to right. And so you've got virtually every measure, even rents, which has been the stickiest piece of inflation. Even rents are starting to show signs of coming down. We've been talking about that for a couple months. You know, data on new leases is showing rental inflation easing. Uh, once you get that piece working in the right direction, you know, we could really get uh, some good inflation data. And by the way, the GDP number, the GDP inflation piece, right? It's quarterly was 2.2, uh, which is pretty much the, the Fed target. It's just really hard to believe we're here that quickly, given where we just were. Um, you know, I mean, I think the market maybe is declaring victory. What do you think, Quincy? Is it too early to declare victory on inflation? No, I mean, look, there's still a tug of war at the Fed. I think we're, go you know, they're coming out of the uh, blackout period. They're going to start speaking. Pay attention to uh, uh, Christopher Waller. Uh, he represents that pragmatic, hawkish uh, space within the Fed, but there's a tug of war between the hawks and the doves, and the hawks still want to see another rate hike, perhaps as an insurance rate hike, and that's what they call it. Uh, given their concern that if you stop, uh, you could see a potential uh, jolt higher for inflation. They're very much, uh, how do I say, affected by the 1970s, that stop and go. So that may happen, and they may not get core down fast enough. That's the problem. It's still, it's still double of what the Fed wants, and they they may not have the patience to to sit and wait to see it happen. Yeah, I, that's right. I, I don't think we want to declare victory, but the Fed still might be done, and we still might see yeah. a steady decline from here. But yeah, of course, there's still there's still risk that it pops back up. The annual inflation numbers can be quirky based on the comparisons to year ago. And of course, movement in energy prices can you know, cause some swings in the headline measures of inflation. So we'll have to watch it, but, but sure, moving they're, in the right direction based on the last few months, right? Uh, the ISM market knows it. Yeah, the, the market, market knows, knows it. it. The market knows it. The market gets the news before the economic data hits. That's always the case. The market gets the news first. And the market here has gotten the news before this, the strong economic data and the cooler inflation data. Market tends to price in what the world's going to look like in six months. Um, exactly. So here's yeah. here's probably the best um you know picture or most encouraging picture of inflation, right? To see uh headline GDP price yeah. index yeah. and the headline uh, CPI. Look how dramatically these have come down, right? Yeah. And so uh, based on these measures, the Fed pays more attention to core, excluding food and energy. But if you look at headline, uh, you, you know, you could argue most of the work is is done. And so in September at the next Fed meeting, when they look at this data and they look at the trajectory of economic growth, which will probably be slowing, uh, it, you know, it looks like uh, they've probably done enough. Because if the gap between 
where the Fed is and inflation gets wider, that reflects a tighter position, right? So as inflation falls, their position, even if they hold rates steady, gets tighter and has yeah. more impact. So I think that's a really important point to make. Uh, so let's get into earnings season. This is, you know, my favorite part of the uh, yeah. you know, the market story right now. Um, it's been really interesting uh, to hear from companies. And I know you've been, you know, following oh. some of these, you know, the headlines, the transcripts. I mean, I like to just look at the high level data. The data doesn't lie. And it tells you that this has been a really good earnings season. Yeah. You know, we know, you mentioned it before, Quincy, we know that companies beat, right? They lower the bar, they're conservative in their guidance, and then they beat expectations, right? It happens almost every quarter, you know, nine times out of 10. But you want to look at how much they beat by and then what happens with estimates after they give guidance that tells you whether it's a good earnings season or not. Uh, and so you see here, um, the you know the beat rates actually a little over eighty percent based on fact set numbers. You know whether you, if you use other sources, you might see a slightly different number, uh, but right around eighty percent. That's certainly better than average, as you mentioned, Quincy. If you look at the you know down six percent and change, that's not a great number, of course, but you know, a couple of weeks ago it was down nine. Two points are from Merck by itself, right? The pharmaceutical company had an acquisition related charge. So, you know, we're down about four and a half if you take Merck out. And then if you take energy out, we're up three or four. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to, mm -hmm. you know, coin a new way to look at earnings. It's earnings growth, X Merck, X energy. <laughs> okay. I bet that no one's ever heard that measure of earnings season before. We're going to start that here. I think it's just clear that underneath those two pieces, and there's a lot beyond those two pieces, right? 96% of the S&P is outside of those two pieces, right? Uh, yeah. There's a lot of good news here. So, um, you know, estimates have held up really well. Uh, the beat rates have been good. The average upside surprise has been good, about six points. So uh, just overall, um, a pretty good earnings season, even though uh, the headline numbers don't look good. Actually, one other point here. Um, a lot of people expected margins uh, to compress oh. further, uh, and they've held up really well, too. In fact, if you have flat revenue growth and and yet earnings beat, you know, if, if revenue's in line and earnings beat, then what you have is a margin upside surprise. And that's what we are indeed seeing. Um, so here's the, um, you know, the path of quarterly earnings year over year. Um, you know, we just priced this over the weekend. So you know, closer to down six than down seven. The headline here is that the earnings recession is probably over, right? And buying troughs in earnings is historically a good thing. Now, I guess you could argue the trough really started in April because that was the start of Q2 earnings generation, right? And then, you know, of course, now we've got the numbers actually being reported. So um, this is clearly a piece of why stocks are up nicely. Uh, resilient guidance and better than expected results. And so if we get a if we get earnings growth in Q3, Quincy, I think that could help the market continue to go higher. What do you think? I think so. I, especially with policy moving in the right direction. Oh yeah. And you know, inflation rates, the Fed, all that stuff's behaving. Yeah. And that supports stock valuations. So if you get yeah. good valuation support, because of course, you know, PE ratios are high. If you get valuation support and you get earnings estimates starting to inch a little bit higher, which we've seen in the last you know month or two, 
uh, I think that's a great story for stocks. So here's the uh, here's a chart of forward estimates. Now this is a little misleading because you know you're rolling off July 2023 and then you're adding July 2024. So it's kind of a prorated uh, look at earnings estimates. It's not holding the time period steady. But nonetheless, uh, there's optimism about 2024. In fact, estimates for 2024 have inched higher too a little bit, at least in the first half. Um, so um, you know, if, if this trend continues, you know, maybe our estimate for 2024 is too conservative. We're looking for 230 in S&P 500 earnings. Consensus is a little over 240. That could provide support. So maybe this market's not trading at 20 times. Maybe it's closer to 19. Um, so anything else to pull out of the earnings uh, story yeah. here, Quincy, that, I, I, that you've noticed? Yes, I think the dollar is going to be a tremendous tailwind rather than the headwind that Good it has point. been. And that, you know, we have so many uh, companies in the S&P 500 that really do need a weaker U.S. dollar. And especially uh, as the global growth is still muted at best, uh, it allows them to uh, to compete, compete successfully. Great point. The dollar is a huge swing if it moves. Huge. Yeah, uh, huge. With about... 40% of S&P 500 profits being exactly. generated outside the U.S., the dollar falls, earnings get propped up. Uh, and so uh, some of these estimates were made when the dollar was stronger. Uh, that makes these estimates more conservative and, again, allows companies to beat them and allows those estimates going forward to potentially hold up better. So, yeah, LPL Research thinks the dollar is going lower. You know, over the next year or two, it's probably going to be a bumpy ride and you know, maybe gradual. Uh, but uh, Based on the, you know, different monetary policy uh, dynamics in not just Japan but but Europe uh, compared to the U.S. and the just the potential that we move past this, you know, weird post-pandemic economy, we move past this inflation surge, and we get to a more normal. Who knows what normal is anymore? But we get to a more normal environment. Yeah, that should be risk on. That should be dollar lower. Uh, we'll have to yeah. see. There's still plenty of challenges in Europe and Japan and China, frankly, uh, to work through. But uh, yeah, over the next year or two, that could be a support for earnings. Uh, thanks, Quincy, for bringing that up. Uh, so um, let's move on. Well, by the way, earnings is huge this week, too. I think 170 uh, S&P 500 companies. After Apple. we get through this week, um, which will be dizzying, uh, we will pretty much be done, I would say, pulling out themes except for maybe with retail, because retail reports late. Uh, but, you know, you'll have 80, close to 85% of the S&P 500 reporting after this week. So probably won't be too many surprises after that. But it's also a big week, Quincy, for, for economic data. So what, what should investors be watching from, from this calendar? Well, you mentioned it, the ISM reports, Institute for Supply Management. We're going to have, obviously, the manufacturing. It's still in contraction territory. But what we're looking for is any slight move higher, especially with new orders and also uh, hiring expectations. That's going to be very important if it's less bad. I know that's so scientific, less bad, but the market pays very close attention to that. And again, any inch above 46, which is still contraction territory, towards that line in the sand 50 would be helpful to even suggest that perhaps manufacturing is turning the corner. In terms of the uh, 
service sector, which is the largest component, that is in expansion territory at 53, the headline report. There, too, we're going to look to see new orders. We're going to see uh, anything they're saying about hiring expectations, any uh, special messages. Also, I think we've gotten very used to the fact that prices paid component has come down. We want to make certain in manufacturing and also in um, the service sector that that remains the case. Because if we started to see the prices paid component moving higher, that is going to be something that the market is going to focus on, as will the Fed focus on. So that's what we're looking at. These are very important uh, reports. They move very much in conjunction with market expectations. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, I I was exhausted after last week, but uh, I'm not going to get much rest this week. <laughs> of course, no, and pay, yeah, the payroll report on Friday, obviously. So oh, yeah. I must say this last time, last time we went through this, the ADP report, the private sector report that comes out before Friday was phenomenal. Right. And everyone thought, oh, my goodness, that's such bad news. Right. Uh, that's what we're going to see with the uh, payroll report from the government. Remember, they do not have a strong positive correlation. Perhaps the trajectory is the same, but the government report includes government jobs. But that that number that came out after that major uh, uh, monster report from the ADP report was much lower, much lower, but it was still showed a resiliency in the labor market and 3.6% unemployment. The expectations right now are that we maintain 3.6% unemployment. And as you pointed out, we probably bring in about 200,000 new jobs. Yeah, very strange. ADP is probably not a bad estimate this time. I mean, the, the track record, what do we have? 14 straight months of better than expected jobs yeah. numbers. So maybe yeah. just based, even though we didn't beat last month, maybe the base case should be, you know, 200 to 250. Yeah. But certainly the ADP estimate this time <laughs> looks a little more realistic. Yeah. That that last, that number just never makes uh, much sense to me. So focus on the government number, the um, full payrolls, 200,000. If we get a little bit less than that, that's fine. Uh, we need to uh, see a little bit of more cooling in the uh, labor wages. market for the Fed to get out of the way, right? And for inflation to come down a little bit further. You know, wages are still a little bit hot, uh, in addition to rents uh, still being a little bit hot. Uh, and the Fed's not going to declare victory early. They're going to wait till they actually uh, they actually see the evidence that um, inflation's where they uh, where they want it to be. So uh, a lot to watch this week. Again, I guess. Um, you know, I'll get some rest next week, but not not this week. Uh, Quincy, you're not going to get any rest uh, this coming weekend because that's our big uh, national conference. And I, I heard we're going to have about 8,000 people there. That's a big one. So for <laughs> so for those of you who are making your way out there, uh, LPL advisors, we can't wait to see you. And our partners can't wait to see you in, uh, in San Diego uh, for that. So uh, with that, we'll wrap. Any closing remarks, Quincy? I will see you if you invite me on Thursday from San Diego. Beautiful. Yes, for our call for LPL advisors. So looking forward that. to that. Uh, I just want to thank the research team for being so dedicated. And no matter where they are, Quincy, yourself and others, no matter where you are, you jump on these calls, which is great. So um, thanks, everybody. Uh, thank you, Quincy, uh, first of all. And thank you uh, for all of our listeners 
uh, to the uh, LPL Market Signals podcast. Have a wonderful week, and we'll be back with you next week. We'll see you then. Thanks so much. This material was provided by LPL Financial, is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer, member FINRA and SIPC insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker-dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency, not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposit or obligations, and may lose value.